0: want us to turn our eyes onto Jesus Christ today we are in him we are an exact representation of him as we are in him he's the exact representation of the father we are in him not in our flesh but in him our spirits our souls have been redeemed Made perfect? Now you look at your fingernails and you think, well, they're not perfect. (laughs) Or you think of yourself not perfect. He is the perfect one, and we in Him are, say it together, perfect. Let's say it again. In Him we are perfect. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. I don't think wow is in the Bible, but <laughs> it means praise the Lord. Give thanks to him. He is the victor. We are the beneficiaries of his victory. Hallelujah. Let's pray, and we'll pray for this service this morning. Father, we we thank you for sending us Jesus. God is in the flesh. Come to dwell among us. Jesus, the one whom the prophets spoke of, one who is coming, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. What a task. What a goal. What an accomplishment. And we thank you that we stand firm in that understanding that truth that has come into our hearts to realize that those things that are old have been changed and made new. Lord, we we pray that throughout this service and throughout this coming week as we hear things around us of disaster and those things that trouble our hearts, we will have no fear. Because our God is the living God, the victorious warrior, the one who stands for our defense and has fulfilled for us all righteousness in his Son. We thank you. We bless you. We praise your holy name. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Thank you father. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Looking to Jesus. We did a little bit of overview look last week on this book of Hebrews. And we discovered that really the essence or the context is in the Olympic games or the a race. And we'll see that as we develop these messages, we're following Jesus. We're looking to Jesus. In fact, the actual words are, we're fixing our eyes on him. And last week we had our friend Paul back there, who is a marathon-winning runner here in Japan. And we asked him a few things about running and One of the things that is very, very important in running is concentration. And that's the question I forgot to ask you, Paul. What is the most important thing? There you go. You're (laughs) up and running. (laughs) What is the most important thing for you as a marathon runner? Focus Focus. on the goal. Believe. I'll put that in my notes. (laughs) Great, okay. That is very important. Thank you, Paul, for that. Okay, Focusing and belief. Believing that you're going to make it. How? It's faith. And that's what you need to do as a Christian. But not in your own strength and power, but in the training that he has brought into your life through the reading of the word, by focusing on Jesus Christ himself, understanding that it's not in your strength. In fact, part of what we're going to be preaching in the next few weeks is on rest. So if you have been practicing walking with Christ, rest in him. Fixing our eyes on him in being able to focus And not think about the pain, not to think about the things that are bothering around us, but focusing on Jesus Christ, looking to Jesus. Hebrews 1 to 14, his son. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has Inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. It's never been said. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. Remember Christmas? Hark the herald angels. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels' winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they all will become old like a garment, and like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed. But you are the same and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Amen. We're looking to Jesus. That's our focus on this series that may take us into next year at the rate that I'm going. Hebrews 1 to to 3. We're only going to take three verses this morning. So you can see I've got a long way to go to to reach the goal of preaching through Hebrews. And you have a, a long way to go with me. Be patient, okay? Pray for me. God has spoken there are seven statements regarding Jesus Christ in these three verses God has spoken in his son verses 1 and 2 God spoke through the prophets long ago in many portions and ways when I made this outline I didn't have a comma in there In my Bible, it says, God, comma, has spoken in his son. And in a title, normally you don't put a comma. But in this sense, I think we need a comma. A comma makes us kind of pause, it sets it off. God is the one that is speaking, and how is he speaking? In his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ. He's the one that provided for us salvation in Jesus Christ. That's our focus. And how did he do it? God spoke through the prophets long ago in many portions and ways. We've been talking over these last couple of years on the Old Testament. Our focus has been pretty much on the Old Testament. I mean, it's, uh, it's about that thick, the Old Testament. The New Testament is about this thick. In many ways and in many portions, God has spoken. But now and even then, he was speaking through his son. That's significant for understanding what this book, complete book, is all about. And Hebrews, I think we mentioned it last week, Hebrews did not enter the Bible as we know it until the fourth century, 400 years after Jesus had died on the cross, been buried, was raised, was with the disciples, and then he went up into heaven. Almost 400 years, this book had been laying there untouched, unrecognized. And so the book of Hebrews is a very special book. It wasn't written by one of the apostles. Maybe you want to argue with me on that. Not argue, but we sit down and discuss it. But I don't think Paul was the writer. My wife and I used to argue about that point quite often and I said, no, it was Paul because he had all the information. None of the other disciples or apostles had as much information as what Paul did about the Old Testament and the relevance to Jesus. But there are many things in Hebrews, no, it was not Paul. I admit, I was wrong. But Katie doesn't know who wrote it nor does anyone else. And I've looked and looked and looked. Yes, there have been church fathers who have said, well, it was uh, this person or that person who wrote it. But we don't know. He didn't leave his name. He didn't even leave the name of the people that he wrote it for. We don't know who he wrote it for. You know what I think? He wrote it for all of us. It's a book of the church of what we should be being and proclaiming of who he is, the son who sits on the throne, our elder brother, the one whom we worship and honor his name and who he is. God spoke through the prophets long ago in many portions and ways. And in these last days, he has spoken through his son. These last days, the author is talking about When Jesus Christ came, died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven till our age, he's talking about us. We're still in that age, the last days. These are the last days. And soon he will be returning. When you see earthquakes, you see floods, you see disaster, you see the earth wearing out. You will know. Look up for your redemption. Draws an ear. I believe that we are living in the very last days. Where can we go? What can we do? We're like the Tower of Babel with all of our fancy machines. Facebook. No, I'm not going to mention Facebook. Um, Instagram. and (laughs) Okay, I'm digging myself in a hole. All of these things that we have. In fact, you know what? On this computer right now, I have about 30 translations of the Bible. And you probably do too. Maybe you even have more than that. Where can we go? What is God saying? He's speaking to us through His Word. It is spread around the world. The Word of God, the Bible, more than any other book ever written. There's something in that message, there's something we need to take to our hearts. Time is short, folks. We need to be prepared. In the verses that we just read, in, in verses 2 and 3, there are seven statements regarding the Son, His Son, God's Son. First is, whom He appointed heir of all things. He is the one who will receive the kingdom. He will receive the bride. He will receive the praises of the whole earth to himself he is the heir and he is the one who has given us his life to gain it all that's our Lord Jesus Christ Psalm 2, 7 and 8 I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord he said to me you are my son today I have begotten you ask of me And I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Number two, through whom also he made the world. Colossians 1.16 has already been read for us and I think I'm going to read it again just for clarity's sake here. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Point three, he is the radiance of God's glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled or covered, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Their eyes are blinded. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. His radiance. You remember when Jesus was on the mountain. In that situation that Jesus took his disciples to the mountain. I think they had been to that same mountain many times. And there was something special about that. And the disciples were looking at him, if you remember the story, and Jesus began to be transfigured or light was coming out of him. Very, very unusual. And so Peter said, let's stay here forever. This is so great. God is with us. Emmanuel. I think that just burned into their hearts of who their Master was. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't an angel. He was the Son of God, the Son of the Living God. He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. And I talked about us being the exact representation of of the Spirit of God in us. That he is the one who makes us clean. He is the one who tabernacles with us. He is the one who lives in us as we have declared Jesus Christ to be Lord of all in our lives. And he's come in and made us to be as a tabernacle dwelling among us. So for Peter to say, Let's build three tabernacles here. There was already that that Jesus had in mind in us, in our hearts, living in us. The living God is in us. Not of our own good works, but of his works on our behalf. And that's what it's about today in the baptism. The four that are being baptized today, that is not their salvation day they have already had that salvation they are already dwelt in by the Holy Spirit they are giving testimony to the fact that they have died in Christ the old them has become new in Christ Jesus that's what baptism is about it does not save us and we've made this very clear to these four candidates. This is not something that you're going to get a gold star for doing. But it is significant that when they give their testimony, the radiance of Jesus Christ will be shown in them. So let's pray for them. This is a a significant day for them. He upholds all things by the word of his power. All things have been created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. can't already read this? I'm going to read it again. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Jesus also has made purification from sins. This is a statement that is very important to the understanding that our purification is not by the fact that we go into the Ochiagawa, which is very clean water, I understand. We're going to watch these people going down into the river and coming up with a shock on their faces, having testified that Jesus has cleansed them. Not by the rivers of the Ochiigawa, but by the river of the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansing them from their sins. Making them pure. Making them, what? Perfect in Christ. And after all that, it says that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The writer of the Hebrews draws attention to this action of Jesus by quoting Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit down. At my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That is speaking both of authority and also of the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. That's what Jesus has done for us. He has given us, and we participated in His authority that your sins are forgiven, you are made whole. You are my sons and daughters. You are my people. I identify with you. And that is our assurance as we are in Christ. He's sitting there at the right hand of the Father. He has all authority in heaven and earth. To declare us to be clean, it also speaks of the fact that he has done all the work. It's finished. It's done. There's nothing else to do. Oh, you've got to read your Bible, you've got to go to church, you've got to do this, you've got to do that as Christians. No, folks, that is not the Christian life. You get to read your Bible. He's given us Bibles. You get to come here to this place, And to what other places God has called you to. You get to bring Jesus wherever you go. That is what we have as a rest. It's not a works. Actually, James is talking about works, but what he's talking really about is rest. Resting in that. You've already done as much as you can do, and that was Jesus. I confess my sins. I'm made clean, I've been made clean in your blood. And I rest in that from day to day as long as I live. Jesus has completed the work for us. That's why we thank God for sending his son for us. We can rest in him. We don't have to work and struggle, make ourselves look good to everybody else but we know inside it's Jesus who has made us clean and perfect in his image in Matthew 22 Jesus was asked by the Pharisees what do you think about the Christ whose son is he the Pharisees uh, said the son of David he said to them then how does David in the spirit Call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. And it says, If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And the Pharisees, who knew the law, every bit of it, had no answer for Jesus. And what is the answer? There is the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is the Lord God. And it's Jesus that Jesus dared to say that he was the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who had come for us to redeem all of us. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And you know what? There wasn't another question asked of him until later on, a few days later the night that Jesus was arrested and stood before the high priest, the accusation is that Jesus said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. But Jesus kept silent until the high priest said to him, I adjure you, I demand you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus couldn't keep silent. Jesus said to him you have said it yourself nevertheless I tell you hereafter you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven and they said crucify him kill him And that was his sentence. He was the son of man. Like us, in our likeness, our weakness, he became for us the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is Jesus? He is the son of God. But the world says, no, he's just a man. And he says, but it's the son of man that will come. God became flesh for us that we might enter in to the presence of the Father. Near the end of this letter, the writer of Hebrews states, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God that's our Jesus that's the man that came and that's our God the one that we follow and that is who these baptismal candidates are declaring today And we declare along with them. And we agree with them. Jesus is Lord. Amen.